Lord, we praise you that you reign. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, this morning we come before you and ask that you would put hallelujah in our hearts as we realize how wonderful you are and how you have accepted us into your kingdom. So speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Okay, I got a question for you this morning. How many of you ever wanted to fire your boss? I'm not talking about husbands and wives, okay? You know, we really don't have that privilege, do we? We can't go up and fire the boss, but that's in a human setting. But in a spiritual setting, there are some emotions, some things that affect us, that boss over us. And that's why for four weeks, we're hitting on things that are not my boss. When Alan and I got together, it was probably six months ago, talking about this series, we were trying to think of things that would benefit the body of Christ. We were praying, and you know, there's a long list of what we could have brought to you, but when we narrowed it down to the four, we said, okay, we're going to have anger and passivity and forgiveness and rejection. And he said, which ones do you want? I said, well, which ones do you want? He said, I don't know. I said, I think you ought to take anger. He said, why? I said, well, because I've never been angry. I mean, I believe in righteous indignation. If something is wholly wrong, H-O-L-Y, then I don't mind speaking to it. But otherwise, I really don't get angry. It's almost impossible to make me angry. Now, don't take that as a challenge, okay? And he said, all right, I'll take anger. And I said, you know, because I... I slip back and I look through the window into your office quite often and I see that you're playing games back there. I want to give you passivity. So that he'll, you know I'm teasing, right? Okay. And then we said, well, what are we going to do about forgiveness? We said, well, let's give that one to Aaron because neither one of us like forgiveness. But then it came down to the last one and I said, you know, unfortunately, I want to speak on rejection. He said, really? I said, yeah, because... I know what rejection is. I know to the depth of my being what rejection is because I was rejected. And he said, all right, it's yours then. So then I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, can I be vulnerable? And he said, sure. You know, with me on your side, there's nothing you need to be concerned about. So I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. It's a sad story, but it ends up being a victory. And it's all about rejection. My grandfather, Hostetter, was a very successful attorney who back in the early part of the 20th century read law and became an attorney and headed up an organization in Chicago that he founded that represented the corporations against the rising unions in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. So he was a very well-known man, and he was also known because Capone was after him. And their home was shot up at one point in time because Capone was trying to kill him. Well, they had one child, my father. And my father married my mother, and they had three kids. I was three, my sister was seven, my brother was nine when my parents divorced. 
was an unusual situation because my father had had some difficulties in his own life. And it was my grandfather who came to my mother and said, it's time for you to take the children and to return to your family in Georgia. And I will support you and them the rest of your life because it's not safe for you to be with him. Now, I didn't know any of that. I was three. Unfortunately, I don't have any memories until I'm about five and a half. Probably need to go to therapy for that. But I really don't. I don't remember anything back then. But I do remember this, that I saw my dad about four or five times from the time I was three to the time he died when I was 17. And he was a young man, 48 years old. During that period of time, those few meetings, not a single one of them was good. The first time I was probably six years old, we were visiting my grandparents in Chicago. We were in their home, and I was in the foyer area playing with some of the toys I had just received at Christmas. And I remember one was a little plastic diner, and my father was about my size, a little heavier, and he came through with a, a glass of coffee, iced coffee and a cigarette in his hand, and he stepped on my diner. I don't think he meant to, but he just kept walking. He never said anything. So that's the first memory that goes into my mind. Okay, I remember when he did that. Second memory, I was a couple of years older. Same visit, Christmas time in Chicago. He comes in and he picks me up by my feet. So my head is hanging down. He takes me into the bathroom, lifts the toilet seat, puts my head not in the water but near it and flushes it. Brings me back out and drops me, laughing. That's my second memory. It's about 12 years old. Went to the Cubs baseball game. After the game, he said, you know what? I'm going to send you a Cubs baseball uniform. I'm, I'm 12 years old. And a Cubs baseball uniform is going to come? Are you kidding? This is exciting. So I'm back in Georgia, and I'm going every single day to the post office box right out there by the road at the house. And then I'd come in, Mother, did, did anything come today? No. I did it for a week, and I did it for two weeks. I did it for 30 days, and nothing ever came. Then I'm 15. I'm a high school athlete. There's a lot of potential in where I'm headed. And he says to me, I can get you into Notre Dame and get you a scholarship. You can play football at Notre Dame. Okay, sounds good to me. You know, what do I need to do? Nothing. You just keep playing the way you're playing, I'll get you in. Oh, that didn't happen. So I came to a conclusion. The conclusion was this fathers are destructive, dangerous, and deceptive. My father rejected me, and I thought it was my fault. At three years old, I thought it was my fault. I thought for sure that, that there's something I had done that caused him not to love me and therefore to leave us. You see, rejection is the absence of meaningful love. That's what it is. It's the absence of meaningful love. 
I decided that I could correct that in my young years. So at age six, I'm in first grade in a little North Georgia town. Miss Bishop is my teacher. I remember her well, and I sat in the front row to try to impress her. I already had my father's DNA of deceptiveness and manipulation. I convinced her that at the end of the school year, we were going back to Chicago, and my mother and father were getting back together. She believed it. That's how good I was at six. And she sent all the papers home to my mother to sign to send them to the school in Chicago. I have no idea what that did to my mother. All I remember hearing from her is, you know, you'll be going to the second grade here. But I thought I could fix it. From that point on, my life changed until much, much later. You know why? Because when you are rejected, one of your primary responses is to reject everything else. You reject the people around you. You move into isolation. You're more comfortable with yourself because you can accept yourself and you really don't even do that. It's a dangerous place to be to think that you are rejection, rejected. Rejection followed me. When I graduated from high school, my counselor said, you shouldn't even go to college because you're not going to do well at all. I'm thinking, really, that's what you do for a living? And I wish he were here now and preached the gospel to him. No, I hope he was saved. But, I mean, I felt rejected right then. And then after becoming a Christian, I applied to a seminary, and they wouldn't take me. I felt rejected again. It's just like everywhere I went, everything was rejection. But I wanted to try to fix it. Rejection is powerful because it causes you to doubt your own worth. You know why? Because you're measuring your worth against the wrong thing. That's the bottom line. For a moment, just think about the rejections that you have faced in life. And everybody in here has been rejected at some point or another. You weren't tall enough. You weren't short enough. You weren't fast enough. You weren't smart enough. You didn't have that right look. Every one of us has faced that at some point in time. You're down to the last four, but you don't make it, and you feel rejection. Right now, with this great tournament of basketball that's going on, you know these guys that have played all year, they've won like 30 games, and they've lost four or five, and they just lost in the tournament, so they're not in it anymore, and people are calling them losers. No, they're not. They're great athletes that played to the best of their ability, and on any given day, someone can beat someone. And yet, we, we reject them as losers. Why? Because we have built this mindset that we call a causistic relationship, if-then. If you do this, then we will accept you. And that's how we live our life. It's a sad time. Are you still, in some ways, under that boss of rejection? Is it still a part of your life? Listen to this. There's no doubt that rejection causes an acute kind of suffering. 
It cuts lingering wounds that can splinter in many directions. It lodges itself deep into the memory, altering the way we see ourselves, others, situations, even God. It altered my way of living. God's grace saved me at 28 years old, but it was 10 years later that he confronted me with knowledge of my continued feeling of rejection. I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I studied in seminary. I'm working in the church, and I'm still feeling rejection. And God moves in mysterious ways. I go to see the movie Rudy. Rudy was rejected all of his life. He wanted to play football. He finally gets into Notre Dame. And he's going to play football there, but he can't really play. But he's on the squad, and his dad's very proud of him. And his dad's in the stands every week, but he never gets into a game till the last game of his senior year. He gets into that game, and he gets to play, but his father had passed away a week or two before. So he looks up into the stands where his father used to sit and he makes that statement you and I would make, you know, well, I know he's looking down from heaven. I lost it. I'm sitting in this movie and I just start weeping because I realized I'm Rudy. I'm supposed to be at Notre Dame. My father's supposed to be in the stands. My father never saw me play a football game. And I felt that rejection when all of the guys on my team would be going up to their dads after the game and I didn't have anybody to go to. My brother did the best he could being six years older. But I really felt that rejection. And now I'm sitting there watching this movie and I'm realizing, okay, what are you saying to me? And God says, forgive your father. Wow. I thought I had. No, you never have. And so I forgave him. I said, you know what? You were just a man. A man who was rejected by his father. My grandfather sent my father all the way to Georgia to go to a military school in high school. And so he grew up in those very formative years without his parents. I'm sure he felt rejected. What do you do when you're rejected? You reject others. My father was just a man. He, he wanted to go to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, and he wanted to teach history where he'd been offered a job and open a small law practice. But my mother and grandfather wouldn't let him go. So he felt that he was being turned away and rejected, and he got ulcers, and those ulcers put him in the hospital, and the hospital put him on morphine, and the morphine became an addiction. But my grandfather was so well-known and so well-off that nobody ever found out, except my mother. And that's why my grandfather came to her and said, it's time for you to go. I forgave him for all that because I realized, you know what? But for the grace of God, there go I. God said, look, you're not acceptable to me because of what you do. Do you hear that? You're not acceptable to God because of what you do. The world has planted that in you and me. It said, 
If you do this well, then you can do this. If you make these grades, then you can do this. We've got them out there this tall playing sports, and we're saying, if you do this well, you know, then you'll get ice cream. I mean, we're building into our own children and our grandchildren as it was built into you and to me, this attitude that production equals acceptance. And it's a lie. And what you do is you take that, that production acceptance mindset and you transfer it over to God. And you say, okay, if I read the Bible every day, God's going to be pleased with me. If I can get through today without doing this, God will be really happy with me. He'll accept me. If I give the right amount of money, God will be pleased and, and it's acceptable to him that I do this. You see, we've taken this performance-based mindset from the world and we transferred it in to our own mindset of what the Heavenly Father asks for. And it's a lie. Rejection is a spiritual problem. That's the bottom line. And you have to decide which spirit rules your life. God said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind and self-control. Anger is a spirit. Passivity is a spirit. Unforgiveness is a spirit. Anything that is opposed to the word of God is being driven by that spiritual world that's behind it because we don't war against flesh and blood, but against the spirits in high places, principalities and powers of darkness. So you have to decide which spirit you're going to serve. I have the Holy Spirit in me, so this Holy Spirit in me now brings me peace. He brought it to me that night I watched that movie, a peace I didn't understand. Suddenly, after my repentance, you know, I received that acceptance from God, and I granted forgiveness to my Father. And then the Lord said, how about all those you have rejected? Will you repent of that too? And so I had to go to that next level of repentance and say yes, and tried to think of everyone that I'd ever cast away or moved away from or, or brought them into settings and situations that I created so that I could reject them. And then I rebuked the evil one and said, you know, I don't choose you or your spirits. I choose the Spirit of God to rule over my life. I will not reject ever again anyone because I have not been rejected. I have been accepted. And that's what God calls us to. Otherwise, you're going to move in these areas. You're going to become a nervous person all the time, worried about whether or not you're going to be accepted. You're going to live in self-pity. You're going to live in isolation. You're going to move toward loneliness because you believe that nobody is going to accept you because you have been rejected in the past. There's a famous preacher among preachers. His name is G. Campbell Morgan. He preached in the early part of the 20th century, starting around 1904. Great preacher in England. His daughter-in-law wrote a book about him called Man of the Word. And she said this, that in 1888, when he applied for ordination with the organization in England, that they would not accept him. And so he sent a telegram 
to his father in another city, and it just had one word on it, rejected. And then he went in his room, and he began to write in his diary, and he said, very dark, everything seems, still he knows best. And there was a knock on the door, and a return telegram had come to him, and he opened it up, and it said this, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven, dad. What a father. Now that needs to be yours. Rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Dad, Abba, Father, is saying to you that you have been accepted, not because of anything you've done, but because of who you are. Psalm 66, 20. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now, praise God. He hasn't rejected us. He hasn't rejected our prayers. He hasn't rejected his love toward us. He loves us. He doesn't accept us based on anything that we do. He accepts us based on what his son did. Someone said to me once, before I was a believer, a follower of Christ, they said, what you need is the Heavenly Father. And I laughed because I said, wait a minute now. The Father I can see rejected me, and he was dangerous, and he was deceptive, and, I and you're telling me that the one I see is like that, so now you want me to believe the one I can't see. Is he going to be any different than that? No, I'm not going after him. Why? Because I was transferring my earthly thoughts. But now God comes back and says this, and this is so neat. Listen to this. It is the gospel of rejection that turned into the gospel of acceptance, which takes you and me from the point of utter disappointment to the pinnacle of perfection. It is Jesus whom the crowds rejected who has accepted you right where you are. The gospel of rejection is that Jesus Christ himself was rejected. And you and I, as a result of that rejection, have been accepted. Not because of anything we've done or failed to do. But simply by the grace and the mercy of God that he sent Jesus for us. While rejection is the absence of meaningful love, the love of Jesus Christ means everything to you and to me. Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected by mankind. His rejection he took willingly upon himself. Just think about it. His brothers didn't even know who he was and rejected who he said he was until after he was raised from the dead. He went to his hometown. Remember that event? He goes into the synagogue and they hand him the scroll and he unrolls it and he reads it and he says, today this is filled. It's fulfilled in your presence. And they take him out on the brow of a hill to throw him off and kill him. They rejected him, but he got away. What about all of those who were involved in the arrest and all of those who beat him 
Mankind rejected Jesus Christ. Even his disciples rejected him. Judas came that night and he kissed Jesus as the sign that this was the one. And all the disciples fled. It wasn't until that morning when he went on the cross that John, the apostle, the beloved one, was standing at the foot of the cross. The rest rejected him. But none of that compares to the ultimate rejection, the chaotic rejection, the darkness of rejection that he felt on the cross when he knew he had been separated from the Father. For all eternity, Father and Holy Spirit and Son had dwelt together in perfect unity. And now, beyond our explanation, somehow the Father turns his back on the Son and darkness is on the earth. And the Son is suffering absolute rejection. Rejected by the Father. Rejected by the Holy Spirit. And he comes through that rejection, through his finished work, so that you and I have acceptance. We have avoided the ultimate rejection because we have been offered the ultimate acceptance. If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you better. Because God will not reject you if you belong to him through his son Jesus. And you don't know the time that is at hand. So come to Jesus. You are accepted, not rejected. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what your current situation, God loves you and has accepted you. I mean, that's thrilling. That's exciting. So following what we did last week, we're going to do it again this week, but we're going to do it while you're seated. And I'm going to lead you through repentance. I'm going to lead you into that understanding of receiving the forgiveness that God gives, of rebuking any kind of strange work that's going on in you that's causing you difficulties. And I'm also going to show you how to replace that. As we move into a celebration of communion, it's, it's the happiest and the saddest thing we do. It's sad that he had to go through what he went through for us but I'm so excited that he did. And so when we participate in communion, the bread represents that body that he gave for us. And the juice represents the blood that he shed for us. He felt the rejection so that you could feel the acceptance. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, come to you today, and there's some here, even as I did years ago, who need to repent. And say, Lord, I forgive these people who have rejected me. Those situations where I know I have felt rejection. I felt worthlessness and loneliness, self-pity. I repent of all of that. And Lord, I also repent of those whom I have rejected. Those that I have set apart. Forgive me, Lord. Help me reestablish those relationships. I receive from you the perfect forgiveness that you offer because I know it comes through Jesus. I thank you for him, Lord. He has given all authority unto us. And so in his name, we rebuke the evil one from ever bringing rejection into our lives again. 
We are accepted in the Holy One. So we receive that, Lord. And we replace everything in our lives with acceptance. And we do it with joy. We do what Paul said in Romans 15, 7. We accept one another just as Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. Lord, thank you that we are accepted in the Son. And as we celebrate this morning communion with you, let our hearts be in an attitude of repentance and an attitude of receiving your forgiveness. And then give us joy, Lord, as we know that we have been set free, that repentance is not the boss of us. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.